You are listening to the sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church. We are a community in Madison, Wisconsin, who gathers to worship, to learn, to serve, and to grow together in God's love. Please visit us online at www.covenantmadison.org, where you can find information about Covenant Ministries, as well as links to our online worship services and sermon podcasts. I thank you for being here, and I very much thank Charlie for his faith and trust in me and confidence. He doesn't know whether I'm any good or not. We'll find out here pretty soon. But thank you, Charlie. I really appreciate that. It's actually the second time I've had a chance to occupy this pulpit. The other time was at the funeral of my dear friend Woody Carey almost 10 years ago. His humor, his beauty, his grace feels like it's with me now, and that's, that's the spirit that I think, I think is going to help. And I'm also going to take this opportunity to exercise a moment of privilege to give my sister a happy birthday. She has a milestone birthday today, and since I'm preaching, you can't stop me from saying these things, right? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you which birthday it is, but it's a milestone birthday, so happy birthday, Lori. She and my other sister and Woody are surrounding me, and that feels really good. Perhaps their spirit will enable me to say something worth your time in listening. Will you pray with me? God, triune God, God in three persons, we come to you now to thank you, to praise you, to confess, to be forgiven, to learn. Draw us unto you that we may hear your voice and be your servants in your world. Amen. In ancient days, in the first years after the crucifixion and the resurrection, little groups of people sprang up in various cities around the Roman Empire and called themselves Christians. At least I think they called themselves Christians. We call them Christians now. One of those groups was in Rome. Paul wrote a letter to those people, but think about what it was like for them. Here's this guy way out in the boondocks somewhere writing to what was a group, what was then the, the, the Washington, D.C. of its day, powerful place, but the common people lived in what we would call tenements. Probably no running water, probably too cold in the winter, probably too hot in the summer. They definitely had troubles. Sewage in the streets, disease, short lifespans, all kinds of troubles. And he wrote him a letter and said, in your troubles, praise God. Wait, what? Hello? Really? That's what you're telling us to do? Yeah, that's what it says. Let's read what, it actu- what he actually wrote to them. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with him, make us fit for him, we have it all together with God because of our master Jesus. That's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his door to us. 
We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. There's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. What was Paul saying to these people? They definitely had troubles. Well, he was not saying, praise God and they'll all go away. Your troubles will disappear. They'll be gone. Close your eyes. Stand in a circle. Sing Kumbaya. It'll all be fine. That is not what he was saying. He was also not saying, you're going to get a bad diagnosis. Be glad about it. He wasn't saying, cheer the bad news. He was saying bad news will come. There will be troubles. He was saying those troubles can lead you to passionate patience. Some translations call that endurance. And that, in turn, can lead you to virtue. Some translations call that character. And that, in turn, can lead you to hope. That's the message that he was sending to these people in Rome. To me, what hope is, is the belief that something better can happen. And I think what he's asking us in his letter to them to do is to be alert for when that something better can happen. Even if you thought it was impossible, be alert to the good thing that can come. Isn't that at least part of what Easter is all about? We thought death meant you're dead. Guess what? Surprise! God can do what we never expected, what we never thought could happen. At least in my theology, that's a bit of what Easter is about. In today's memory verse, which I don't have memorized, sorry, we're told through Jeremiah that God has plans for us to give us a future with hope. That doesn't mean everything's going to be wonderful. That doesn't mean there won't be troubles on the way. That doesn't mean that the plans will take, won't take a while to come to fruition. But the future with hope is God's plan for us. That's what today's memory verse means, at least to me. Now. Some troubles just happen. I like how Cindy told that. Some stuff is just going to happen. And nothing you can really do about it, it's going to happen. Some stuff maybe you can have some influence on, some control over. How you respond is what matters. I have a friend who's 94, and she's losing her hearing. She's losing her eyesight. She, her mobility is pretty limited. I'd be a total grump. I'm pretty sure I'd be pretty grumpy if I was looking forward to that being the rest of my life. What she does 
is multiple times daily, say the serenity prayer. I don't know how to work this. Oh, we got to go through that. Just a minute. Push the other way. Okay. No, wait, wait. You're going backwards here. Let's see. I thought I was supposed to go backwards. It always makes me so, feel so good when somebody else has these troubles. Talk about troubles. Yes, did it. She prays this prayer multiple times a day. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And it gives her an equanimity in this declining period of her life. She's an inspiration to me. She knows the difference between what she can control and what she can't between what she has to accept and what she can make a difference in. She actually got a new hearing aid and things got better. Cool. That was something she could, she could do a little something about. I have another friend who's got a crippling disease and she found out about a year ago that the rest of her life's going to be in a wheelchair. Again, I'd be a total grump. Not this friend. She has a mission. There's something that she needs to do. She has a skill and a talent for, how do I describe it, design, making your environment more functional. That's out of her experience, being in a wheelchair, and more beautiful. And she believes in that, and she's doing it. How she responded to that limitation is what mattered. Be alert. Live in a... In a, in a feeling of alert expectation, uh, 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 alert expectancy. Paul was right. Those troubles can lead to, to character and to hope. And that's what I believe. <clears throat> have, you, have you ever noticed that when you're working on something, other things related to that sort of come to you? I was working on this sermon already, and a couple of weeks ago, I got to go with the group to the Sikhism temple, which is out on, in Middleton. Never been there before, don't know anything about that religion. And it turns out there's a central tenant called Chardi Kala. And I'll tell you what I understand it to mean. Optimistic resilience. Positive, buoyant spirit. Praise God even in hardship. What? This would come to me in the middle of preparing this sermon? It did. There's a, there's a saying from one of the gurus of that religion that goes like this, O oh, eagle, do not be afraid of the swift and hostile winds. They are there to make you fly even higher. That came to me when I was trying to get ready to talk to you today. One of the biggest troubles that we have as a nation right now is gun violence. I'm heartsick. I'm baffled. I'm angry. I'm confused. What do we do? Do we just have to accept this? Is there something we can do to respond? I saw a piece in the, in the um, newspaper probably over a year ago now, and I cut it out, that talked about the root causes of violence, and it was quoting D.A. Ozan and Judge Mitchell and then uh, Police Chief Wall as trauma being a root cause of violence, and that in turn is fed, of course, by abuse and neglect 
and the kinds of things that cause trauma. One of the things I do is work on or, or be a member of the board of a school called The Playing Field, which addresses trauma in little kids. These are kids ages zero to five, some of whom are from families that live in their cars, some of whom have seen mom hauled off by the cops, some of whom have experienced a variety of kinds of trauma. And other kids in this school are private pay. Their families could send them wherever they want, but they choose to have this experience of mixing these kids at the same time. My own research has revealed to me that not only is trauma an issue, but racism, fear of the other, lack of voice, all of this feeds violence. Gun violence in particular. What can I do? Well, I work on that board and try to support those people who are addressing those issues with those kids and maybe a boy, and I'll say boy because it usually is, who otherwise would have grown up to get a gun and take it to school and kill somebody, won't do it because his trauma his fear, his racism, his lack of voice was addressed when he was little. It's a bit of what I can do. What you can do may be entirely different. Maybe you need to support a new piece of legislation. Maybe you need to, to protest. Maybe you need to do something that connects you with a lonely, isolated young person who would need you. Maybe that's where God's sending you. I don't know. I can't answer that for you. But it might be that that's what you're called to do. It might be that that's how you're called to respond to this trouble that we have. It might be that by your response, you'll be able to get stronger, to reveal your own character, and to arrive at hope, the belief that something better can happen. Now, I can stand up here and tell you to do these things, but I should give you a couple of tools. Charlie gave you a couple last week, and he talked about them again this morning. Prayer and scripture. Pretty good tools if you're trying to figure out how to respond appropriately to troubles in the world. I'm going to mention three things, three more things. One is talk. If you've got troubles, maybe you just need to talk to somebody about it. Or maybe you're the person that somebody needs to talk to about it. Just getting it said can make a huge difference. The second one I want to mention is touch. Got to have boundaries. Don't touch people who would rather not be touched. But touch can be amazingly healing especially in the isolation of the pandemic, don't you at least sometimes just yearn for human touch? I have a friend whose family recently got a baby that, whose mom couldn't keep her who was addicted to fentanyl. Oh, breaks my heart. But what they did with that little one was constant touch, constant stroking, constant on the chest, constant, just physically being there. That's a tool. 
That's a beautiful tool. And while they had the pain meds they could use, they only needed them once. And this little one is thriving now. Got through it. I can't imagine what it would be like for a child to have to go through that. But touch is what healed. And the third thing I'll mention is go to the wilderness. Bet you didn't see that coming. <laughs> go to the wilderness. How restoring is that? How much of yourself can you get back just by being out there communing one-on-one -on -one or in a group, however, with God, away from the, from the hustle and bustle of the city, away from the noise, away from the distractions, just out in wilderness. My family had the joy of getting a little place in Canada in the middle of the last century. My dad was a young man and he and some other men bought this little piece of property and built a little cabin. In his working life, he'd come home every night with a frown and he'd be stressed by the, by the, by the pr pressures of his job. But in the summer, he'd take a week and go to Canada. And when he'd come back, my mom would always say, frown's gone. Look at him now. He's restored. Go to the wilderness. It really can make a difference. I have a six-year-old grandson, and I get him a few days a week, or depends on the week, and depends on if it's summer or the school year. And, and I live on this side of town, and his family lives on the north side of town. So when I'm taking him home at the end of the day during rush hour, you know how there's that lane on, on Johnson Street on the far right side? It's supposed to be open for traffic, right? right? And that's a fast way to get there, right? That's, so I, I'm always in that lane. But now and then, there's somebody blocking my way. And I'm like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be out little voice from the back seat goes, Grandpa, don't let it spoil your day. <laughs> don't you hate it when your kids are right? I mean... All right, one more story. And then I'll let you... let you go. I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Malawi in the 60s, and I kept saying over the decades that I need to go back, and I never did. And finally, in 05, I think it was, I did go back. There had been the AIDS pandemic. There were lots and lots of orphans. There were kids whose young parents were dying. And I'm like, if I don't go, who will? If I don't do this, who will? I have to do this. I can. I know this place. I know these people. I know this language. It's my job. I got to go do it. And I finally went. And I don't want to make a long story out of this, but we created a, an orphans project. And about five years later, I did what I'm doing now. And it's a mystery why I did it. And it's a mystery to me why I'm here today. But I said, I, I had gone to Princeton, and I said to the dean, I wrote her and said, I want to preach. I don't know why. I still can't explain why that came to me that I needed to do. And I don't know why you got me today, but, but, but Charlie said yes, and here I am. And that time, there I was. And I went and I did it. And in the course of the sermon, I mentioned that I had gone to Malawi and we had created this project. And afterwards, um, 
some of us were gathered and uh, someone asked me to tell some more about that, so I did. I told what, what we were doing and, and what we were trying to accomplish and I said, I said, one of the things I said was that I wish I had a fund whose earnings could support these kids in school. Because K through eight is free, but high school, post-secondary, you gotta pay school fees. And these are orphans and they don't have any money at all. It might only be 50 bucks to get through a whole year, but they don't have 50 bucks, they don't have anything. And one of the women who was in this group after that worship service leaned over and said, how much do you need? And there's now a fund at the Madison Community Foundation, thanks to the enormous generosity of her and her husband that supports, I bet we've had 100 kids so far, I should count it up, getting them through high school, getting them through college. Because I said that, and though I didn't expect it, I was alert, I suppose, to the opportunity. Maybe I look back and, and, and think, oh, I was alert, I, I had alert expectancy. I don't know whether I did or not. What I'm telling you is that that's what you need to do, and I hope I can do it. And in that case, just by being in the right place at the right time and saying the right thing and being alert to the possibilities, something amazing, amazing happened. I send the money every year to an organization in Malawi. They, they pay the school fees. These kids get to go to school who otherwise would have been home in the village being farmers, and there's nothing wrong with that. But a lot of talent is getting harnessed because that happened. Shortly, you will be singing, I forget the actual name of it, um, but it, the first line is, when peace like a river attendeth my way. It is well with my soul, I think is what it's actually called. Maybe in your hymnal, sorry, our hymnal, I'm a member here now, um, <laughs> is when peace like a river. Doesn't matter. When peace flows over me, and when sorrows flow over me, God's got me. It is well with my soul. Hear it. Believe it. You're about to sing it. You will have troubles. Paul didn't say they're going to go away. You will get through them. Endurance, passionate patience. They can make you stronger. Be alert to what God will do next. God has a plan for your future with hope. Things can get better. Believe it. May it be so.